Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. It's muggy and rainy and uh, it's raining all over the Northeast. I, a friend of mine who lived downstate New York near West Point sent me photos of what happened with the the rainstorm where they got like seven inches in three hours and it was like you know streets with cars with water up to the door up to the windows it was like yeah there was flooding in some place in pennsylvania some bad flooding in vermont they're hoping some dams don't break in vermont it's that bad so yeah there's been some some really bad weather yeah uh start us off with the pre-show so let's talk about the all-star game actually um I thought I saw some improvement in the All-Star game, and maybe it's because uh, the players who wanted to play there played. In other words, early in the game, uh, there were some great plays made against the wall, like some really good catches, like high-quality catches. They weren't like, you know, Adolphus Garcia was like, he was an inch from really smashing into the wall and really played the ball. Well, the sun, the sun was really I, – I, I actually – because there was nothing else on last night. I actually watched it. Uh, Adol- Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena made, like, circus – Tremendous catches. Yeah. So I saw that. Um, the pitching's the pitching. Usually the pitching's pretty good, and it was uh, – you know, the fact that they were talking to players was fine. Uh, I just think overall it had a decent feel. Like, it had a feel of – Maybe like one of those 90s all-star games where we sort of liked it. Now, at the end, (laughs) Craig Kimbrell made it tough for NL fans to feel good about the win because he he really almost blew it, but he didn't. And Kimbrell got the win, and uh, Rob Thompson for the Phillies manager gets the big win for the NL 12 years in the making. I was laughing, Mike, because there was when I was at the casinos the other day, you know, they did have odds on the game, and it was something like minus 30 and minus 105. But it's like, you know, the AL had done so many years in a row. It's like, who would have bet the AL at this point? Yeah, who's betting the friggin' all-star game? You've got too a random. impulsive gambling idiot to do that. <laughs> it's just too random. And, yeah. you know, and like guys like Kodai Senga didn't even play because he didn't want to mess up his spot in the rotation. So I get it. Well, um, it, the, it, it, went, it went from bad to worse. For the Toronto Blue Jays, because the only bad yeah. news that came out of the game was Jordan Romano uh, got hurt. It doesn't sound like it was anything serious or arm related, but it was back tightness, and they pulled him in the middle of the inning. So, if for a team that's sort of underachieving this year, you know, to come out of the All Star game with an injury to your closer isn't exactly the best news. No, and home run derby was fine. I I was worried about um, J Rod beating Pete because of the age factor and the home factor. And he did, he didn't win it though. Vlad Jr. won it, but still J-Rod cranked 41 homers. I still think they need to shorten the event though. I wrote about it on full yeah, press. It's, it's a little too long. Well, I mean, they got, they have 16 players right. and they go in brackets. Yeah. So how about, how about like getting it down to eight? Yeah. Eight might be better. I get it. TV and you got to fill the time somehow. 
but I think eight might be better. You know, maybe you could do other interviews. But my actually, there was a funny kind of cringy moment um, before the game started. They had, um, of course, Fox always has to put these guys like on the field or oh, you know, some place where it just doesn't seem natural. I right? know what you're going to talk about. So they put them, they put A-Rod on the field and Jeter's on the field and Ortiz and they have Cal Ripken Jr. on the field. And this was like Cal Ripken Jr., like I think at some point did not want to be in this interview, or at least the way it was being done. Well, well let's, just, let's rephrase gone. that. Let's rephrase that. We didn't want Cal Ripken in the interview because Cal Ripken could be the most boring human being. Well, that's being. fair too. Oh my God! I, I mean, okay. First of all, you're not going to you're you're can I can I uh, you know. Um, disingenuousness for 10,000, Alex. I mean, it's like, you know, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, and Big Poppy, all like all happy together and all. Yeah, oh, the happy Fox family. That was good. Yeah, please. It's like, okay. And then, and then they cut, they cut to them and they're sitting in the front row and Big Poppy's got this big thing of cotton candy sitting in front of them. And I'm like, yeah, like, I really believe that you're eating any of that Big Poppy. You know, give okay. me a break. My basic criticism, though, of the interview, knowing that it's Cal Ripken, just putting plaudits on him for being like the big shortstop and you laid the foundation. Like, there are no questions in that. No. And, and talk about his career. Don't talk about, talk about, talk about. Sounds like talk about. Well, uh, uh, yeah. it's even worse. Actually, in some ways, it's even worse than talk about. It's, it's like, I'm going to start you and then you're going to dot, dot, dot and then finish everything, which honestly is number one bad you know, just, just terrible interviewing technique yes. to begin yeah. with. I mean, well, just basically, no and do my work for me. I'm like, no, you ask. Had, you had no professionals. Anthony, you had no professionals there. You had four ex-ball players. None right. of them are really great broadcasters. And they're just, they're, they're, they're fumbling around, you know, like non-broadcasters. And I, I have to say this, like me and a bunch of friends were watching this because, again, there was nothing else to watch. You know, lifelong baseball fans. And I, you know, me being the hot take uh, bandit that I am, I came out and said, Cal Ripken could be the most overrated ball player of all time. He really could. Because, you know, other than the streak, you know, there were years when he hit 220. He was he not was 25, 80 every year. Yeah, not, no, not every year. I, not I, every I, year. I, I, I think he was, you know, I, I think he was in an era where there was not a lot of power. I think he was, he, yeah. he was as, a, as short. This was an era growing up where shortstops were. They were, they were nothing. Prim, they were doing nothing. They were primary oh, glove first. Hard. Tim Foley, Mark Belanger, Larry Boa. Yeah, I mean, you could say if you put him in this era, obviously, with the current shortstops, it's a different story. Right. You yeah. could say that then, but I think for the era that he's in, Mike. He, well, no, 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 no. See that that that's that's where I think we're 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 off here because he came up in '82, and right. I know that. You know, uh, so this was already when Robin Yount was a shortstop, and Alan Trammell was a shortstop, yeah, and Gary too. Templeton, and Ozzie okay. Smith. And Ozzy was, but Ozzy was a lot of. Ozzy you know, was a light hitting shortstop until uh -huh. he got to the Cardinals. But right. I mean, there there were the prototypes there of the of the a big hitting shortstop. Not as there. yeah, but still not like as, that. not not, not like not the way Ripken was. Not not on a consistent basis the way he was. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I'm yeah. numbers. Hold on, Mike. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's what happens, Mike. You come in with a hot take, and you're about to get oh, the ground. <laughs> there were years he had over two hundred hits. Yes. Like, come on, man. No. He, in the end, he was a compiler. 
a compiler that had 3,184 hits. You don't think that's so Fred He was a compiler. Oh, my. And he was – and he was – oh, get out. Seriously. Let's move on with the show, Mike. Let's, Come on. let's start the show because you guys know not, uh, know nothing. Yeah, okay, Mike, just because you have last word. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, July 12, 2023. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And back from the, uh, the heat of Tampa – that's Anthony Mangione. How is everybody? <laughs> and I am Michael Einstein Agello, and this oh, is God. a hot oh, yeah. guest. Oh my God! You're not even Einstein bagels. <laughs> no, he took. He, no, he's definitely got the bagel part down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so let's let's start with this. Uh, the, the news since Monday, the the, the big news, um, and you know we're getting down to as I said with Kevin a couple days ago. This offseason has slowed to a crawl quicker than most off seasons. I mean, we're only 11 days out from July 1st and it seems like almost every um, management team is in Muskoka at their cabin up in Ontario. Um, I mean, there's a few signings and we're going to talk about that, but the, the big one over the last 48 hours was Keandre Miller coming in uh, on a two-year bridge deal, which we were talking about on Monday, that he would have to come in around four million bucks because I think they had like six million in cap space, yeah. something like that. I'm like he was um, just beat under four. Like I remember yeah. Jam was saying four, four point one, and that's when I said if it's more than four, they're in trouble. Like this, this is not a good contract. They came in at the right number. They did. They actually, I think it's good for Miller too, because Miller's game isn't fully rounded out, and I do think there's a chance. Because, look, he doesn't even get any real power play time. You know, Adam Fox sucks up most of that. So if Miller can become better defensively and a 50-point guy to 55 every year, he's going to make a lot of money in this league. Yeah, I mean, he's 23 years old, Anthony, and mm-hmm. you know, he comes out, out of this deal, um, you know, arbitration eligible after next season. You know, he puts up points – you know, what did he have, Russ? About 33, something like that? Uh, 43 points. Yeah, nine goals, 34. He does that two more years. He's going to be making six, six and a half, seven million dollars yeah. on a long term yeah. deal. And I would tell you as well is that we're also seeing, a th- we're starting to start seeing some themes here uh, with this offseason that young players are betting on themselves. They are, they are, yeah. they are anticipating. You know, obviously the fact that the cap is where it's at right now and why commit yourself at a low number or a lower number just because the market does it. You bet on yourself for a couple years. We just saw this, obviously. Flyers this past, you know, couple days signed both uh, Noah Cates and Cam York to two-year deals. Yep. Uh, and that's, you know, and that's, that's where, you know, if you're, you know, this is, they're betting on themselves and rightfully so. I mean, that's the smart play for them to do. In yeah, two years, though, there's going to be an offseason that um, could be tumultuous because yeah, absolutely. there's a lot of guys doing this. And if that's the year, let's say the cap goes up, like, I don't know, $5 million or something, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of action on some well, of will be. There will they be. Think, they think the cap is going to go up 3 to $4 million next year and then 3 to $4 million the year yeah. after that. So with $8 million times 32 teams in there and expiring contracts, yeah, things are going to explode. And there's mutual things here too because if you do two-year deals, as Miller just did, as York did, it does work for the team too Mm -hmm. because if you take him to three, 
you're they're looking that you're walking them basically to unre- you're, you're going to walk them right. to unrestricted free. They still have a year where they could. They still got a year to, to shake yeah. things out and have two years here where you're like, okay, now we know what we have. Now we're willing right. to commit long term. Right. right. So, uh, and now the funny thing is, I think this obviously has. Now you're right, Anthony. In terms of these players are betting on themselves, but they really have no choice other than to bet on themselves because teams out there are not. They're not, you know, they, they, like, okay, for example, if the Rangers were at all possible, they wanted to sign him to an eight-year deal. Right mm-hmm. now, since they're so far up against the cap, they can't do that. Teams like Buffalo, they want to sign Owen Power for eight years, and they have yeah. the cap space to do it. But Owen Power may want to say, no, let's do the bridge, because in two years, there's going to be a lot more money in the market. Not that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, but he has two more years like Miller did, yeah, who's gonna get seven, well, team, eight and a half, nine? Teams are trying to, especially teams that are in rebuild mode, are trying to build their teams, and they're trying to get under. They're trying like hell right now to get under market their their star right. players. They may believe to be star players at under market, so that they can build legit contenders and have those bedrock players for a long time at a form at an under market. And then later on, you can try to negotiate potentially deals here where again. That, that's really what everybody's trying to do right now. But on, but again, the way the market is set right now, I don't blame any young I don't blame any young player for for doing what they're doing right no, now. No, I think Mike's right too. I don't think Power will take a long term lesser AA. You know your value. He knows his value. He absolutely knows his value. But unlike Dali, unlike Darlene, who had had big offensive years before he signed his three year deal, and okay, he, his three year deal is up after next season. He's got one year at arbitration before he goes UFA. It sounds like the, the it sounds like the Sabers are going to pay him 10 million, 10 million plus, and they're smart to do it, even on an eight-year deal. Um, Power is in a different position. He's only got a year left in his contract. He puts up enough. They, they want to get him on their the next deal now because if he hits it big, if he goes, if he scores 50 points next year, then the ask as a restricted free agent is going to be probably where Darlene was, which was six million a year. They want to get power as close to they it can get to get what Miller just got paid from the Rangers. Mm-hmm. That gives them a lot more flexibility. Yeah. Next year. yeah. If they can do it, but they already have Samuelson locked up. So they're, they're not in bad shape. I think they'll have the three, those three will be their core. And then whatever mm-hmm. else is around them will be around them. And that's right. kind of how you have to build the defense now. Yeah. And, and more and more money drops off after a couple of years. So then they'd have the flexibility. So um, some interesting signings over the last 48 hours, you know, some of them just, you know, like, uh, I'm rooting for Travis Dermott. He was a second round pick of the Leafs. Mm-hmm. He got traded to Vancouver. Didn't get a lot of opportunity in terms of because of injury. He signed a two uh, a one year two way deal with Arizona. The one thing with Arizona, Russ, he's going to get playing time. He's going to get lots oh, yeah. of playing time, loads so, of ice time. So I'm hoping he can stay healthy, and then you know maybe you know he'll maybe he gets another contract out of that. You know I I, I like his talent. He just I think in Toronto he got sort of pigeonholed into that bottom pairing situation, and maybe in Arizona he can be sort of a late bloomer. Yeah, I think he could be a late bloomer, and I think he'll get dealt at the deadline. I don't think they're hold on to him, but but that's fine. He's going to get all the ice time. He'll get power play time, maybe second power play, and there is ability there. And he's only twenty six, so he is a guy um, that I wouldn't give up on either. So I think that's a good smart signing for Arizona. It's good for him to get signed. Like just get signed. That's the yeah. most most important thing. 
Now it's, it was very interesting to see the comments, Anthony, of uh, Pierre mm-hmm. Dorian, the the GM of the Ottawa Senators, at least right now he is, um, and his comments about the DeBrinket trade because it's being widely it's being panned in Ottawa. They didn't think they got enough for a guy who's been a two time forty goal scorer. And Dorian came out on Ottawa radio and said that DeBrinket sort of handcuffed him because the only team he would sign an extension with was Detroit. So. Yeah. I mean, but that was the re and this this is where I don't give I don't give Dorian any any sort of defense. They knew last year when they were trading for him, unless they could get him in on a long term deal at that point, that this was a very this was very likely was a risk. Yeah, there was always a risk when they made this deal, and it looked great at the time for them. Sure, but it, it, it was but it was it was this trade was made with the hope, and again, this is you have to be extremely careful with hope here that he would come to Ottawa, see how they're growing their team, and say, "Hey, I want to sign in for the long term." There's mm-hmm. a nice bounce, and again, they go and get Chikrin, obviously, which I think was a very good, which was a good move on their part. Gave up a little bit, but you know, but that was what the, that's what they were banking on. And again, at the end of the day, um, you know, DeBrinket knows his that again, going back to a guy who knows his value and says, oh, okay, yeah. is this where, I, again, he wants to call a shot to say where he wants to be. Right. And because when you're a multi 40 goal scorer, your value is obviously much higher than what your standard RFAs are going to be. And he was able to call a shot. And again, I get the frustration in Ottawa. I genuinely do. But again, you're also if he's going to Detroit, and you know Steve Eiserman is a is 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 an exceptionally tough negotiator. We know that, and you know the quote that you know Eiserman say he said I did the best deal for my team, and I believe yeah. Pierre believes he did the best deal for his team. So for as much plaudits as Dorian gets for last year, this is the unfortunately the other end of things, and he hoped. That the brain kit would be like, hmm, this really looks like you know a place for me to set down roots. They mis they misread that. Okay, raise your hand though if you're on this panel and you thought when that trade was made that basically he went to Ottawa, that the Brinkett went there, that he was ever going to stay there long term because I never felt like he was gonna. No, I, I was. I didn't think it was likely. So again, this was. They had case. to have an inkling. They had. We to. were Anthony. We mm. were sitting. Under- I think they were hoping. Here's the thing. I think they yeah. were hoping that if they were going to have to trade him, that the market would be much more robust than it turned out to be. That's fair. Basically, oh. miss they miss both the, the 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 market was misread. The player also made it difficult. Uh, and any team again, and I don't think it was just. I know it was just Detroit, but there was also reports saying there was the, any of the other teams that he had given. Well, that's what Dorian said. What, so. Any of the teams he given weren't interested in him. That's that was Dorian's, and that I think and Dorian were a lot- had a spin on this too. We have to. Of course, there's a, sp- a spin on this. He's you know he's in, he's in he's in a precarious he's in a he's been in a precarious situation yeah, for like quite the last six months. months. Yeah. The yeah, last six months, and I mean the AGM is <laughs> the assistant general manager was just dismissed, right? Uh, and that's apparently according to Chris Stevenson, he has been you know, ever since ever since his brother was was dismissed with Binghamton. Yeah, Trent hasn't even been allowed in the, in in the Canadian ties, you know, in the arena right. since February. Yeah. So it's just it's 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 just a strange situation all around right now in Ottawa. It is. Yeah. Um okay, then now in the category of players some of them um I would say didn't have a choice, but in the category of players who are betting on themselves on one-year deals. Um the Philip Zadina 
situation came full circle after the termination, mutual termination of his deal in Detroit. He signs a one-year deal with San Jose at $1.1 million. The money is not the important thing here, uh, Russ. It's it's San Jose, and he's going to get opportunity that I don't think uh, – the only other place he'd get better opportunity is Arizona because mm-hmm. he could probably be – but I think he'll be a top six – at least he'll get a top six opportunity in San Jose, and maybe he flourishes there. Yeah, I mean, look, Detroit got him better away from the puck. They did. Uh, I pointed out on another show that for some real reason, his shooting percentage went awry, like his shots that got through. Now, he had a lot of shots that went through, but he didn't score a lot. So maybe he hit the post a lot. Maybe he hit guys a lot. Maybe, you know, so I think a change was probably going to be good for him. Quinn is good with younger players, which he still is. He's going to get a low to ice time. He still has a great shot. Yeah, there's no. This is a good pickup for San Jose, and it's smart for Zadina because there's better. Can, there's you know, there's also better players in their tops. There's also better players in their tops. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Versus there. Arizona, it's simple as that. He's going to yeah. get if he's going to have an opportunity to succeed. Yeah. San Jose still is a better spot for him, yep. I, and you know, probably a perfect spot for him. Yeah, he could now. he could play with Couture. He could play with William Eklund. I mean, he mm-hmm. could play with offensively creative players yes. and benefit from it. So yeah, I mean, that's I think that's a positive for him. Now the other one, and uh, I was a little surprised that Montreal did not qualify Dennis Gurianov, and he signs a one year deal with Barry Trotz in Nashville. Now again. I think there he may get more of an opportunity that he might have gotten in Montreal. I think Montreal would have had him in their in their top nine. I get the impression that Montreal just kind of soured on Gurionov. Yeah. That's based on what I'm seeing right now. The reason why they didn't qualify him is that they got him. I think they had maybe some expectations of what he would provide. Didn't really do it, and they just decided to cut. To me, it just looked like they decided just to cut bait. Yeah, I think the qualifying offer was over two million bucks, so it might have been some bookkeeping there. And so, yeah, for sure. I give Trotz credit though. Trotz, you know, said in the draft he wanted to kind of swing for the fences. I think this is swinging for the fences, mm-hmm. like picking him up because he knows the abilities there, the speed is there. You've got to just get him back on track because he, you know, he's not that far removed from a twenty goal season, and right. he does have talent. So I, I like what they did here. Now, one of the things I also th- think is another theme of the offseason, as well as you know, the guy. I think teams are definitely sniffing around the un- the non qualified player. Oh yeah, and I think it's a better. I do believe that's a better investment than necessarily always looking, especially for teams like Nashville, like San Jose, like yeah. Philadelphia. Those teams that are trying to kind of start from scratch and, and are trying to get a look and see. What they what what those players might be able to to do. Well, the, the non qualified guys and the buyout guys seem to be more amenable to taking that one year deal to sort of reprove themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, with Gurianov, obviously he didn't go get qualified. You know, I think he's going to get opportunity. Guys, uh, guys like uh, that have been bought out uh, over the last couple weeks, I think, are are doing the same thing. They're willing. You know, Matt Duchesne took a one year deal in Dallas. Now he got three million bucks, but this was after making nine, like eight or nine in yeah. Nashville. He's willing to bet on himself, putting himself in a situation with a talented team playing with talented players. He puts up a big year. He turns around and hits it big in free agency next year again. So, yeah. um, I now, point out one thing, Mike, that you may not have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bruins Twitter feed right now is kind of funny. Because Luch- showing, what, you mean because it's Lucic vision right now? They're showing like Lucic walking around the Boston area, and yeah. he he doesn't blend in. 
He doesn't. He's a huge guy. I never realized looking at him how he, his his shoulders oh, literally his, his arms neck are is so long. His, his arms are long and his neck is positioned forward and the his back is just like his head kind of kind of is a bit forward. I've never I, I mean I've seen him as a player. I, I've only seen him in pads. I would yeah. cross in the, the locker room, but it's the first time. Same side of the street. Yeah, yeah he yeah. is a he is a large intimidating. That's human great. Being. They're great tweets. Go look at them. They're fast. yeah. He's like yeah. He's a, like an he's ordering an Italian sandwich in, 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 up in North Boston. It's fantastic. This is like yeah. welcome, welcome home, Milan. Yeah, I was like, wait it's a second. Is that, is that the missing link? That kind of stuff. It's like wow. Okay. I love it. No, yeah. I love it. He's, just, he's, he's just he's he's an intimidating looking human being. He really is. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> in the category of players like going back home and taking less to go back home. Oscar Sundquist, who was uh, in St. Louis originally, won a cup with them in 2019, went mm -hmm. to Detroit, got traded at the deadline to Minnesota. He goes back to St. Louis on a one-year deal for the league minimum, $775,000. Mm -hmm. Now, I hope for his sake that he got some no-trade or no-move protection because he'll he'll be flipped at the deadline like nobody's business by Doug Armstrong at that money if he comes back and plays pretty well. So, But, you know, he goes back to St. Louis, and that's a team that I think will battle for a playoff spot. But, I mean, that's a great value for a guy who I think is a very useful player. The chat room, by the way, is explaining Lucic has some sort of spine condition where his neck is huh. ah, ah, very good. That, that was not that something I was aware of. So that's the reason why I just I never saw him you know, in the times I've been in the Bruins locker room at Wells Fargo yeah, yeah, yeah. Center. And when he was there, he I only saw him in pads. So this is the first right. time I've seen him sort of without a you know, I just noticed how long his arms were because he's walking on the street and I'm like, regular humans' arms aren't that long. <laughs> So those yeah. people making Neanderthal and Cro Magnon man comments, they should stop that. So. They should stop. Um, yeah. But Sunquist is always he's an underachiever. Like I, I don't care where he goes. He is like fool's gold. He yeah, and he's had he's been in some good stuff. Saint, I think certainly being in St. Louis certainly helped uh, during the Cup run. That helped it his uh, his profile. But yeah, if he's signing on a one year deal and there's and and at the league minimum and that and it is basically for you know, and, and there's no no trade protection here, which honestly, if you're signing at that level contract at that point, the likelihood that you have a no trade clause at seven hundred and fifteen thousand yeah. is pretty much is pretty much nil. This was where, you know, I, I did hear I remember saying I think Jeremy Rutherford said he was negotiating with him, then he kind of backed away, and now he's and now for sure he's and now obviously he's signed. If you're making so maybe he thought maybe there was a couple offers that he thought was going to be there, and they yeah. evaporated. If you're, if you're making seven to fifteen, you lost the negotiation. <laughs> you're happy to you're happy to be in an NHL job, right. basically. And yes, yeah. he knows the team, he knows it well, and it, it should be it'll be fine. But he is. But there are he, there he are will be a depth forward for them. There are some players like like I think Giordano. He took the, the way less than he could have gotten on the open market. He got the eight hundred thousand dollars from the Leafs, and I believe he's got. Uh, what, what? What? If he's trying, if he's in, if he's pursuing a Stanley Cup, he may have right, gotten. I always say point. when you're at the point of the career where, where where Mark Giordano is at, right. The main thing right now is you've made your money. You, you've already had your. You've yeah. already have your. Already had your legacy contract. Where yeah. at this point now, it's it's pure pursuit of a cup. You nobody, you know, if anybody's offering you a big chunk of money at this point, it's probably a team that's nowhere near a cup. Right now, on the uh, the dominoes page, which is always fascinating when it comes to the summer, because you know we thought, okay, 
the Debrinka deal would sort of shake things loose in terms of, you know, the dominoes, in terms of the next player signing someplace else. Uh, the one name that was talked about was Tarasenko. We haven't heard anything yet, but I'll bet you anything. And he, cha- he changed agents, so that may have slowed down the process. Mm-hmm. Um, on the defensive side, you know, Matt Dumba is still unsigned. There's talk about San Jose and Arizona. You know, it might be a situation where he wants a longer-term deal or the teams, or he wants a shorter-term deal to hit it big uh, in a year or two when the cap goes up. The Eric Carlson thing is continuing to be fascinating um, it continues to sound like there's two teams and only two teams, and that's Carolina and Pittsburgh. And Elliot Friedman uh, did a spot on NHL Network and essentially said that. He says it's Carolina and it's Pittsburgh. And like I, at this point, I'd be stunned if it is, isn't one of those two. And Although there's always that mystery team, Mike. When, when oh yeah, I'm say this. No, 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 but I'm going to say this. Team mystery. When negotiations drag on this long. It does bring up the opportunity for that mystery team. It does. Yeah, and Santos, it, it doesn't. And I would say that it doesn't. Whilst he may want to be traded, San Jose's got time here. Yeah, they, they don't can have wait. To. They can wait this thing out. But again, it also a number of other deals. And I've already said this already. I believe I'm firmly believe that the reason why the Tony D'Angelo deal to Carolina hasn't happened yet is because Carolina wants to see where things are at with Eric Carlson first. And honestly, that that. The fact that that deal hasn't happened yet, uh, and is is to me, it's like it's got Daniel Briere by the short hairs because I think they were it does it, it does yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can wait and then they can and they, they can call again. They're the, at the end of the day, Carolina is the one doing the the Flyers the favor here. They're taking right. on D'Angelo at yeah, fifty. Nobody else wants say, them. Nobody and again, and, and they have no choice in this circumstance but to wait on this, and right. that's just going to be the way it's going to be. Uh, for now, now again, it's it's a weird situation because again, Waddell was quoted, right? He was quoted as saying, you know, we're you know July eight, July nine, you know, well, you know, in terms of the deal. So if he backs out of that, it's you know that's something that you know can potentially not look great for him. But the thing is, if you already have a Carlson, you already have Orlov, you know, where are you using Tony? Where is well, Tony well, going to be sitting? I in? think he felt like he was getting Carlson and he was moving Pesci. If all of a sudden one of those things don't happen, right? Exactly, and there's still, Pesci. yeah, there's still parts that can still then potentially they probably be can't moved. Take on D'Angelo, then that's probably the situation well, where they can't take him on. I can't see how they make a Carlson deal without moving Pesci because it, whether it's now apparently, and I know that Elliot said this, um, <clears throat> Pesci has no trade protection that may prevent him from being sent to San Jose. So it might be a situation where he gets moved someplace else for a first round pick. And then they use the first round pick as part. Now that could complicate things. And that may be what's slowing things down because, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are teams out there like Nashville uh, was one that one of the teams mentioned regarding Pesci. I know Buffalo has been mentioned regarding Pesci and Toronto has been, uh, but you know, some of these teams don't have cap space. So, and the lack of cap space is, is, is a complicating factor, but I mean, I'd be stunned at this point if Carlson is not on a different team to start the season. It just seems to me that, you know, the narrative. Is- They're just trying to get the bidding war going here, Mike. That's really yeah. what this I, is. I would this say is this. As I high as they this. can get it. If they, and again, this player has a modified no trade too, but <clears throat> they can't move Pesci. Maybe then they'll have to move Taravainen. Like that may be the guy they have to move. He's That's, only got one year left. 
Yeah, I mean that's a possibility for sure. And that would allow that extra money for Carlson because they got two million under the cap now. They mm -hmm. could fit Carlson, but then at that point Tony would be out. Like that's it. They wouldn't be able to afford Tony. Yeah. 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 And then now, yeah. now sticking on the Flyers page, and this blew up on social media yesterday. Mm -hmm. And but with good reason. So there was a Zoom interview with Garnet Hathaway, I believe. Yes, this is the yeah. Now nah, this and, is happening. Yeah. And uh, there was a question from a, a Philadelphia reporter um, that asking him about signing with the Flyers, who are in the midst of a rebuild. I think a legitimate and uh, you know, and why he decided to do that, and a legitimate question. And you heard, and apparently it was part of Flyers PR, me, social media, social media staff, team, social yeah. media staff that um, said basically, why is this reporter asking the same question and used a, an expletive or two? Uh, and this was overheard by everybody, including Hathaway, I believe, because he sort of reacted facially yes. um, to that. Um, Keith Jones came out fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, releasing a statement sort of admonishing the social media uh, or, um, staff and apologizing for yeah. that. Um, I mean, it was just just sort of an embarrassing sort of uh, thing, Anthony, just not not well handled by the Flyers. No, it wasn't handled. It, it wasn't handled. Uh, I mean, I, I think the way T Keith Jones handled it, yes. I think the way the team, the way they responded to it, I think was was done well i think it was yeah. you know they, they they did what they needed to do but it is not when you are in the midst of trying to change the flyers the perception of the philadelphia flyers uh this all you know they started off with their new ad campaign new jerseys new era of orange new leadership you know obviously sands obviously john john Torrell has already been there for you know obviously for a season at this point um, this is, it's, it, it's, it's an embarrass it's absolutely an embarrassing moment. And again, Danny Breer also went on to the, you know, to 90, to 97, five, uh, the fanatic here in Philadelphia also obviously, uh, about, you know, just apologizing, but also, you know, obviously acknowledging what happened and apologizing for it. And again, I, you know, you, you can, my, my whole thought on this whole situation is, and I said this on Twitter earlier, is that in, in all walks of life. You know, if you're whatever it is that you do, you got to be professional. You know, you may you, you may think it, and you be, you better not audibly say it, and you better not post that. It better not be posted out on on social media in this circumstance. So, uh, the reporter has every right to ask that question, and even if it's been asked of multiple players, mm -hmm. that there's a possibility that she is that the, the reporter in this case, who is obviously at the point who was who was asking the question when that happens um has the absolute right she it could be very well in the midst of working on a larger piece where yeah, there could yeah. be multiple interviews and this question is a key element of what the organization is trying to do in terms of why why these players would be attracted to you know veteran players like a stall like a hathaway who are veterans uh who you would think would be looking to win you know get the you know to 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 potentially end up on a Stanley Cup winning team. And listen, they may still end up on a Stanley on a Stanley Cup team at but you know before the end of the season. But why is it that they signed on? What is it about? What is it of the right. Flyers pitch that made them say it's beyond just they offered me money? <laughs> and Russ, I mean it, it, that that's the thing. It's like in being in many scrums in Buffalo and in Toronto, 
and a reporter is doing a piece on a particular aspect of the team, um, they ask the same question to the play, you know, the three or four players or the general manager or the coach yeah. in every scrum because they want to get varying viewpoints. That's not being redundant. That's being thorough. That's part of being a thorough That's part of being yeah, a thorough I mean, reporter. So yes. To me, this opened up a bigger thing. So the first thing is, look, Obviously, the member of the social team and possibly two members of the social team, based on that other um, audible sentence after mm -hmm. that came out, um, just do your job. This is your job, whether you like it or not. Like Anthony said, keep it in your head and do your job. If you have to endure this question, too bad. But the other thing is, you know, and without divulging what was in the meeting, we had a large meeting at the P at Professional Hockey Writers Association mm -hmm. uh, during the draft. And, and Molly Walker led that. She had a PowerPoint presentation. And she, you know, got on social media and I think correctly talked about this situation because it was part of a larger discussion that was already happening based on what happened last year with just media relations between teams and the media. Because the media is shrinking and the media has to do a job and they're trying to be able to do that and navigate their way through. And I believe Danny, um, when he says he wants that to be better, and I, I take him at face value on that, but they're not the only team. There's other things going on too. And so that's why if online people feel like the media is being like too sensitive or whatever, it's because this is happening in a lot of different markets that, you know, fans are unaware of, but it affects the coverage that we're able to do. And so that's the, the bigger thing here. The, the media is shrinking and the media access you would think would be opened up more, but that is shrinking as well. So. Right. This is this is the landscape. And at a certain point, the fans, you know, they, they may react to somebody in, in the media saying that they're not being, you know, they're being mean or they're being snarky or whatever like that. Media members have to have a job to do and they need the access to be able to do that job. And if the also, team if you, and if you want a clear at the end of the day, Mike, if you want a clear, independent, you know, view of things. Right. And not just what is presented, obviously, by the by the team or the subject matter. Um, that this is necessary. This is you know we, all, all you need to do. An alarm to me, the New York Times situation over the weekend to me rang the biggest alarm bell. Where right. They've eliminated an entire department, right? Because you know, and I think they've also you know, and I have all the respect in the world for our colleagues who work for the Athletic. They yes. do an excellent job um, at what they do. That being said, you know, for them to now be sort of the New York Times sports department, yeah, that that doesn't it, it doesn't fly. It, it's not, you know, the, the shift to this type of coverage in this circumstance. I have my I have my uh, concerns with the daily day to day is still something that is necessary. Um, yeah, it's not about see, like Michael Cohen's like Flyers media needs a Brooks character to burn towards with. It's not about that. Nobody. No. Nobody has to challenge. Nobody has to anything. And even Danny made it's okay. It's not. It's okay to listen. You, it questions should be asked. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm just saying in a snarky way. It's no. There's no reason to do that. But here's Briere did say. Hold on. Briere did say in this interview that on WIP that he basically was like, listen, we've spoken to John to be more reactive and and actually talk to the media even when he doesn't want to after game. So the Flyers are doing the right thing even with their coach because there are times John doesn't want to talk to us and we know it, but that is his job too. And but what they have to, re and one other thing, Mike, um, they also, the Flyers are very, very much, I think, know 
that because of what's happened the last few seasons, that they are in the Philadelphia market in terms of the visual of the consciousness uh, and whether it's the mistakes of the previous regime or regimes that came before them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the ascent of the Eagles. You have the ascent of the Phillies. You have the Sixers who are contending. And there you are. And you're not, you know, the last time you've been in the postseason was, you know, was in the bubble. So that is a, you know, in this circumstance, that is a made, that is something that has to be forward and continue to have to, you know, they have to be get themselves more into the Philadelphia fans' consciousness, and one of the ways that happens is, you know, the media. You need to give the me, you know, need to give the media the access. You need to give them the respect that they deserve, and need to give them sort of the opportunity to present stories and present things uh, that people really do want. Yeah, I do want to answer Mike in the chat room. He said, "Is it contractual that coaches be required to speak with the media?" The head coach is required. Yes. Yes. And in, in, in my in my issue, and then we'll move off of this, okay, you may not like Larry Brooks and some of the questions that he, he, he does and, uh, and him being confrontational with coaches, but that's his job. That's Steve Simmons' job in the, in the Toronto Sun. That's Mike Harrington's job with the Buffalo Sabres. That is their job. Not to be, you know, they're not mean, but they, they, they ask pointed questions and they, they expect answers. And some of these teams – don't want to answer those questions. Well, I, I get that, that you don't want to, but you have to because the fan base expects those answers. And when they start to eliminate the access to the media, then the teams don't have to answer those questions. And then all you do is get get the talking points from the team that it's not going to be critical. It's not going to be anything other than what they want to reveal. And that, I think, that's the death of journalism and, and sport and sports. Uh, and I and I hope that we never see that, but yet, but you know, right now it's going the, the, in that direction. Um, okay, to, to finish off the show, um, Bet Online came out with uh, odds for winning the Stanley Cup, and it's like, yeah, you never get you you always get the most accurate odds in the middle of July. Um, the Colorado Avalanche are the favorite to win the Stanley Cup at eight to one odds. Um, now I'll give you the, the next three, uh, Carolina, Edmonton, and New Jersey are all nine to one. I can see Colorado being a favorite winning the Stanley Cup, uh, last, you know, winning the Stanley Cup two years or two seasons ago, you know, having some injury issues. They, they added some players, um, Carolina, I have no qualms about Edmonton. I think is an absolute joke that they think that they're one of the favorites in the West, um, you know, wait, wait, hold on. Why is that a joke? Because I, well, okay, excuse me. You were critical of their goaltending. They're, I know, but they still, there's still, there's still, there's a lot there. They are definitely cup Respect. contenders. Mike, if you're going to say they're not cup contenders, then the Leafs are definitely not. Cup right. contenders. Well, I, okay. I wasn't going to talk about the Leafs, but the, being the like, second, might as well now, no, no, well. <laughs> being the second, being the second, the second highest, uh, odds or second lowest odds in the Western conference, when you eliminate your, you're above the Stanley cup champions, which is a joke. That's what I'm saying is it's a joke. Um, so it's hard to repeat, like they're going with the odds of that. Yeah. Um, Vegas is at Vegas is at 10 to one. Uh-huh. Uh, the New York Rangers at 12 to one. I don't have a problem with any of these odds, by the way. So far. No, yeah, I don't. Colorado is an interesting one because I think there's, 
I think they did a pretty good job this so far this offseason. I'm just not 100% convinced on them, but go ahead. Um, I'll, I'll go down. I'll go down to the middle of the pack, and then we'll, we'll end here. Uh, Tampa mm-hmm. Bay and Toronto are both at fourteen to one. Uh, Toronto's odds dropped four points. That's um, legitimate. I, I actually think. Wait, wait, hold on. If you don't think that right now today that they're worse off than last year, come on, Mike. I actually think right now they're. I mean, not after the deadline, but to start off the season, they're 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 a better team than they were at the beginning of last year. No, you're just happier that Justin Hall's gone. That doesn't make him a better team. Well, I mean, that's you know that, that's addition by subtraction. This is Mike's odds, not yeah. that online's odds. And, and of course, you should you should believe. I can't, I can't. I can't wait till Mike starts biting his knuckles over John Klingberg. <laughs> oh, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Yeah, but at least John Klingberg can score at both ends of the ice. He's responsible for goals in his goal and goals. Oh, yeah. you better you better hope he can keep that offensive clip because I can already tell you already. I'm going to mark it down. July 12th at 1:47 p.m. Uh, that John Klingberg is going to be a favorite whipping post of Michael Jell. Oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but okay, here just a couple more here. Uh, the Boston Bruins took the biggest drop. They were eight to one. On on June the fourteenth, before the before the draft and free agency, and the fact that Bergeron and Krejci have not signed, and probably at least one of them is retiring, they've dropped from eight to one to sixteen to one. They have the same odds as the da- okay. I would the Dallas Stars and Russ had to go Dal- uh, Dallas Stars at sixteen to one. Uh, I think would that that would be my bet. That would be my long shot bet because I think they're close. I think so too, and I think there's going to be a lot of motivation after losing and uh, after losing to Vegas last year. I, I think they're they're on the cusp, and they get a, they get a real real good performance in that out of Ottinger um, yes. to get them moving forward. I like the moves they made. I think the Duchesne move again, if they use him primarily as a winger and it's just focusing in on the scoring end of things, and he's basically you know I guess the Guriano, which you know Guriano replacement, even though Guriano already left already. Um, that's how I look at it there, and I think their defense is fairly solid. Um, yeah, Dallas is actually a pretty strong, I think, a very strong contender there. Uh, Florida and Los Angeles at eighteen to one, Pittsburgh at twenty-two to one, uh, Seattle at twenty-five to one, and uh, finally, it's interesting with Pittsburgh though. Like the moves Pittsburgh made, you would look at it separately on paper and say they look improved, and the Hodsmakers aren't aren't having it. It's very yeah. interesting. I mean, in the short term, they might be improved. I have a problem with some of the contracts that they've signed maybe two or three years down the road when mm-hmm. I agree. 38 a- or whatever the heck he Yeah, is. yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, try a, tri- a trio of Calgary, Minnesota, and the Buffalo Sabres at 33 to 1. Yeah. So, uh, I mean. Sabres, Sabres have to be in prove it mode, basically. They, they, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's it. I mean, that's you know, it. They make the right acquisitions. I, I think the Sabres can get can can get in the door this year. I think wow. next year is too soon for saying Stanley Cup. I think no, 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 no. I think they uh, just getting and they need just to get into the door. That's right. that's what I'm with the Sabres. And I wrote about that yesterday. Uh, I, 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 you know, I think they it is imperative for them not to be content with contending. Mm-hmm. They must make the playoffs or people in Buffalo are going to go ballistic. It's 12 years. They've got a lot of potential. They've got a lot of good young players. They showed 
you know, upward mobility last year. But they're they not need- sneaking up on anybody now. Right, no. That's no. the difference now. They got to deal with the added expectations. Teams now know when they see the Sabres on schedule, yeah. that ain't a, that is not a walk in the park, and they're going to prepare accordingly. And I don't trust their goaltending, but we'll we'll see. All right, uh, we will be back on Friday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for the departed Russ Cohen. Russ in peace. (laughs) (laughs) For Anthony Maggioni, I'm Michael Lagello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.